0: I'm you thankful that God continues to give but he also continues to forgive if you think about that I what a blessing this morning Jennifer and Gio are here and uh, Jennifer must be down with the baby and Gio you're here what a blessing to see you here and uh, Gio and Jennifer came and I was able to show them from the scriptures how they could be saved uh, about three weeks ago and it's nice to have them here and the little one Uh, What a blessing, and Andrew came in my office last Sunday morning after the service, and Andrew's here this morning from San Diego, and so don't hold that against him, and uh, he's going to be a Packer fan before you know it, Uh, but he put his faith and his trust in Jesus Christ last Sunday. He was here twice during the week. He's more faithful than some of our members, but that's okay. Okay. What a blessing to have these people trust Christ. You'll get it later. Your, your husbands will explain to you a little bit later on. But it's interesting because we're talking about people that are still getting saved in the culture we live in today. God is still saving souls. And if we get our minds out of the gutter... God will use us to be able to lead them to him. And I think it's important for us to know that God is desiring to fix. And so our focus then would be this morning upon a man who had everything going for him, but he struggled. I think about how that everything going for him, but he failed to achieve what God wanted him to do because he, he failed to prepare his heart. I want you to look at verse number 14 again with me, if you would. And he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. And I have in my Bible, I added a word, says continuously. So I think it's important for us to know that maybe one time in our life we trusted Christ as our Savior. But I wanted to share with you that you need to continue to seek Christ Amen. as your Savior. And I want you to know that you can continue to strive toward him and reaching out to him. Thirty-nine years ago, I uh, longer than that, about 40 years ago, I asked Tammy to marry me. Uh, I did everything I can do to try to get her attention, uh, call her, write her notes, send her flowers, um, took her out to eat. I took her to York Steakhouse, and uh, remember that. It was at the mall years ago, and uh, had my dad's car And I had my little sister stick her head from the back seat up to see how we were doing. I think she was seeing whether we were holding hands or not. And uh, that's the kind of date I had. I had my uniform on as a Marine, but I still had to have a chaperone with me. And uh, Tammy and I have been married all of these years. But somehow, as I get older, I'm trying to figure out ways to continue to win her heart. And think of ways that we could keep this marriage what it should be. And I think that's the way that we ought to look to our relationship with God. That you've already accomplished it. You already are saved. But how can you keep pursuing what you already have? That's seeking the Lord. Expecting things from him. And, and, and really to be able to have that relationship with him. Three years into this wonderful time of Rehoboam in his rule... Things change. If you look at chapter uh, first, uh, second Chronicles chapter uh, thir- twelve, I'm sorry, verse number one, uh, we see here that there's a problem. Uh, I look if we look at eleven, verse seventeen, verse 11, seven, or chapter eleven, verse seventeen. So they strengthened the kingdom of Judah, and they made Rehoboam the son of Solomon strong. How many years? Three years, for three years they walked in the ways of David and Solomon. Then something happens. There is this departure that takes place, and he's not seeking the Lord anymore. And so he began to do that which is evil, verse number 14, because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would guide this morning as we simply go through this rather quickly. And I pray every dad that's here would understand that you're ready to help them. And we ask that you would bless our, our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Rehoboam was the son uh, and the, really the successor of Solomon. And. Uh, Nehemiah, an Ammonite, of course. We're looking at Moses earlier, uh, of the same kind of lineage, if you would. For he was 41 years old when he began to reign, and therefore he was born at the beginning of his father's reign. And he ascended the throne at 975 B.C., and he reigned 17 years at Jerusalem. And under his reign... Uh, The ten tribes revolted, and they formed another kingdom under Jeroboam. So you had then a split monarchy. You had the Judah and Israel uh, separated. Immediately, cause of, of this schism was Rehoboam's headstrong folly in rejecting experienced counsel and claiming... Uh, his own desire and his own power. And he at once sought to recover the revolt tribes by force, and though directed by God not to make war, he did not long delay hostilities, and these continued during his whole reign. And so the people also fell into idolatry and were punished in the fifth year of Rehoboam by the Egyptian army. We know that Shishak was ahead of that. We read that earlier, and this was subject them to a heavy tribute, or taxes began to increase, and Scripture leads us to trace the sin and the misfortunes of Rehoboam, I really believe, to that particular verse, not only his parents' and his father's influence over him, but also his mother's neglect. And so it's easy for us, though, to judge someone in the Scriptures these 3,000 years later, uh, but we need to be careful and draw from the text some things that will help us understand how we can have a fixed heart and how the dads can be what they're supposed to be to their own children. And so uh, we understand that there's four good reasons why Rehoboam struggled to honor the Lord. The first one was his mother was an ungodly woman. She was an Ammonite. And remember, uh, after Lot left Sodom and Gomorrah, remember he fell into a drunken stupor and he had the wrong kind of relationship with his youngest daughter. Uh, and she was named Ben-Ammai, or, or Amon, if you would. And that's where the Ammonites came from. His descendants became haters of God and from this people's Solomon then was able to get a wife named Nema, uh, and with Nema, Solomon had Rehoboam. And although Solomon, his father, had given much wisdom from God, uh, Solomon chose to have an ungodly woman raise the children. This kind of inconsistency will result in confused children who struggle to determine right from wrong. And if we want to be able to have children that actually grow up to be decent kids, I'm not talking about... Missionaries and and preachers, that's wonderful if they do that. But to be able to have children that are secure and children that understand their particular responsibility to their generation. I believe mom and dads need to be on the same page. There was a struggle here uh, with, of course, his mother. His father Solomon was not a good example of what a godly father should be, although Solomon built a temple for God's people to worship and to pray, and although Solomon had built big pools and public entertainment places for people, and although he was known for his wisdom and riches, we talk about Solomon. Solomon did not raise Ro- Rehoboam to seek the Lord. Maybe perhaps he sought Uh, them other things. I was sitting down with my wife and going through this last night again and uh, getting ready for today, and I was saying if there's anything that I could change and go back with my boys, I would try to help them seek the Lord a little bit more. I could teach them how to cut a a board, I could teach them how to fish and fillet their fish, I could teach them how to gut a deer, I could teach them how to shoot uh, pretty well and so on. I could teach them all of those things, but I I wish I would have taught them a little bit more of how to seek the Lord and how to get close to the Lord. how to walk with God a little better. And he neglected to listen to the older men and the experience. Remember that? In 1 Kings chapter 2. Now this time uh, the last time, so I'll keep him out if you would, please. I don't want any more distractions. First Kings chapter 12, verse number six says, And King Rehoboam consulted with the old men that stood before Solomon his father while he yet lived, and said, How do you advise that I may answer the people? And he spake unto him, saying, If you will be a servant unto this people this day, And you will serve them and answer them and speak good words to them. Then they will be thy servants forever. But he forsook the counsel of the old men which they had given and consulted with the young men that were grown up with him. And which it's interesting because sometimes we think that we can actually take a contemporary idea. You know what I think about when people walk into Grace Baptist Church? They're walking back in time. We're still using the Bible, preaching from the Word of God. We're not using drums and stuff up here to perform because it's not about performance, it's about worship. And it's about being prepared to meet our God and being able to be in tune with what he desires. It's interesting when we're thinking about these things because uh, we have to keep things in perspective. But there was a problem here because we think today that if I go to someone else and say, what can we do to make our church services better? The first thing that they would say would be, perhaps we need to change our music. We need to change our translations of the Bible. We need to do all of these other things. And I would say to them, I would actually listen to Pastor Dow. Uh, I would listen to Pastor Conrad Jorgensen. I was thinking of of this week a band that was in town. Um, did the funeral for um, what was his name? Dan? who was, who was the the preacher? The anyway, I, he's a really good friend of mine. Yeah, <laughs> can't remember his name. He did he preached when I before I came in twenty five years ago? Let's his, just left his, a Bible here and I was able to give him lunch and had some time with him. Um, Now it'll come after I go to the next point. Lowry, uh, Donna and Doug Lowry, Doug Lowry. Yeah. And so anyway, uh, I think about all of these people that have come and I'd say, how can I make the service better? You know what I believe I need to do? I need to ask God how I can make the service better. I need to rest upon the Spirit of God and the Word of God to make our services what they should be. And let me just share with you, dads, that I I, I have struggled with this thing of fatherhood. You know, and and don't you wish you could have like a like a a, a, like a a pre father class or something for ten years before the kids come? I I think that would be really good because then you'd know a little bit more of how to do this. Uh, but I think it's important to know that when you're dealing with people... I think you have to keep everybody in mind. When you think of the family, you've got to keep everybody in mind and do what you believe is the best. But Rehoboam struggled and did evil in the sight of the Lord because of the ungodliness of his mother, because of the ungodliness of his father, and because he took the counsel of the contemporary people rather than seeking God and listening to the old men with gray hair. There's a problem with all of that. He became a person who actually sought to do evil. And because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. Now, this particular verse, if you're trying to take notes, don't do it, okay? Put your pen down because this is going to be confusing if you're going to. Now, I want to just explain this verse. It it talks about how his deeds were evil. Look at verse number 14. And he did evil. He did evil. So that was his deeds. And so we're talking about it was his deeds that were evil. He did evil. The Bible says in Proverbs 24, verse number 8, he that devises to do evil shall be called a mischievous person. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, verse number 7, be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from Evil. And so evil deeds. Uh, Proverbs 14, verse number 16. A wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages and is confident. And so the first thing really I see here, that it was his deeds that were evil. Also, he prepared not his heart to to, to seek the Lord, um, to to follow the Lord's way, because he prepared not his heart. And so this this shows individual responsibility that if you think that everything's going to happen to you automatically, it's not going to happen. Um, I remember one time when I was a mailman, and I had an opportunity to talk to a lady that was there, and I was going to lead her to Christ. And uh, this was in the city of of Wabatosa, and uh, and I was sitting there talking to her about the Lord, and uh, she told me that she had experienced uh, some kind of a shaking and fell to her knees, and uh, that was her experience of, of salvation. And what I think was high blood pressure, to be honest with you. It might have been uh, too many uh, donuts or something. I don't know. Um, but when you come to Christ, there is a humility about you because you know who he is, and you have the proper view of who he is. And when that happens, you have a proper view of who you are. And if somebody is bringing Christ to you, you understand who God is and what he's done for you and how much love he has for you, that you desire him and have relationship with him. And in order to have a relationship with God, we must go through Jesus Christ. And so when we're talking about preparing our heart. We're not talking about a certain experience. One time I was with a man, he was telling me that he was, I said, are you saved? And he said, well, the car rolled over three times and I, I was able to walk away. Well, yeah, he was saved from an accident or, or being crushed, but he still was undone with his heart. And so we're talking about something being prepared that we can't see. We're, we're talking about the heart being prepared, and God is the one that draws us to himself. We always say, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, right? When I'm dealing with anybody concerning salvation, I always say, do you believe in your heart? You want to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. And so it goes back to the salvation. By faith, by faith, not by works of righteousness, otherwise we're going to boast. And so it is a simple, simplicity, humble person, seeing the need for Jesus Christ, coming to him, asking him to forgive you, asking him to come into your life and save you. And at that point, your name is then written in the Lamb's Book of Life. 1969 was a whole different world wasn't it? I was seven years old eight years old back then I can remember a little bit about what it was like it was like Mayberry somewhat in McFarland uh, the culture we live in today is more dangerous than it was then and I think it goes back to leadership I think it goes back to the leadership don't they don't have any desire to bring God into the picture and so, for the father to be able to draw from this understanding that Rehoboam did evil in the sight of the Lord, and he did evil in his heart, I think it helps us understand it's because he was not seeking the Lord. And he was not preparing his heart for the Lord. And so talking about he prepared not his heart, the word uh, not, uh, the word for uh, prepared here is the word for fixed. I don't know if you've if ever did a study on the Hebrew word Uh, of prepared, but that's basically what it's saying. It means to stand up perpendicular. And so this means that our hearts come to us unprepared and broken and many times laying down in confusion. And it is only Christ that can straighten your heart up. And it is only Christ that can make you into the person that you desire to be. And it is only Christ that can fix that which is broken. You know what forgiveness is? Allowing God to fix something in you that somebody else broke. And maybe something that you went through caused you as a man or a young man to be hurt or confused or whatever. And you say, how am I going to fix this? You can't. But God can. Maybe you're dealing with something else concerning preparation, but I want you to know that if your heart is lying down, God will stand it up straight and he'll make you upright and he'll give you the power and the strength so that when your heart is changed, you know what happens? Your thinking changes. Can I be honest with you? Most of the mental problems that we're having today is because of the moral problems we have today. See, I don't like that kind of speaking. Well, God doesn't like your lifestyle, and he never has. We need to clean up our lifestyles. Honestly, we do. I'm talking to myself. We've got to seek the Lord continually, and he'll give us the power to be what we should be in this culture. Are you okay with God today? How about your heart? Is it right with God? I think about how he prepared not his heart, a religion that is not connected to the heart, Will not last. And so, what I'm talking about is that there needs to be a complete change on the inside. It's not something on the outside that changes. The Bible says in verse number 17 of chapter 11 So they strengthened the kingdom of Judah and made Rehoboam the son of, the, uh, of Solomon strong three years. Uh, for three years they walked in the ways of David and of Solomon. But he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord, he prepared not his heart. His reformation was all external. He reformed just externally. He never changed on the inside. And reformation, which are merely external, is which the heart is not engaged. And it will not avail to the permanent removal of the calamities in this world or save the soul from destruction in the world to come. I once read this years ago that a fanatic is the person who is having lost Uh, sight of his goal redoubles his effort to get there. So the fanatic runs around frantically getting nowhere. He is a basketball player without a basket. He is a tennis player without a net. He is a golfer without a green And for a Christian to make progress, learning to please God, he must have a clear idea of what his goal is. Jesus stated it this way. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I think about John Fisher. He wrote a book called Longing for Something Old. And uh, this is what he says. As the church today gets more and more hip, more and more, need-oriented, responding to the the buttons that people push in their pews. I find myself longing for more of a historical faith. I find myself not wanting to have everything explained to me in simple terms. I'm not even sure if I want all my needs met as much as I want to meet God. And sometimes I wonder if he's really interested in, In the noise of this contemporary clamor, like my dog who can't seem to get anywhere because he keeps having to stop and scratch his fleas. And I wonder if we are so busy scratching where everybody itches that we are able to be significant. I think it's interesting. John Vernon McGee, J. Vernon McGee, said this What is your ambition in life today? Is it to get rich? Is it to make your name famous? Is it even to do some wonderful thing for God? Listen to me, beloved. The highest desire that can possess any human heart is a longing to have a relationship with God and to be able to see him, to pursue him. Show yourself to me, oh God. Reveal yourself to me. I remember being a 20-year-old man. I, I was in the Marine Corps and We'd run a lot in the Marines, and many of you were in the service also. And I can remember running in the evenings. I decided that I was going to try to run more than anybody else, and I decided to run 10 miles every other night. And so I'd run five miles and uh, turn around and come back five miles. And, And during that time of running and seeking the Lord, desiring his presence, it was really a turning point for my life. So as I would run, I thought about a Jewish man that ran with me in NCO school, and he said, take three steps and breathe, Dean. Take three steps and breathe. And so I would run that way. I'd be completely exhausted. By the time I got about five miles away, I would get on my knees and I'd say, Lord, I need you. Show yourself to me. I desire you, oh God, more than anything. More than desiring food. And I would skip meals and... To be honest with you, after a few months, I had a little trouble in my life. And God used that trouble to show himself to me mighty. Let me just share with you, friend. Do you feel all alone? Do you feel like he is distant? Seek him. Dads, when was the last time you really sought the Lord? Over your food? Over your gaming? Over your fun time? over all of your work, when was the last time you really sought the Lord? I'm trying to help you. If you prepare your heart, you'll do the right thing. If you do what God desires for you to do, you'll do the right thing. I remember Jim Elliott. Many of you have heard of him. And Jim Elliott, this must be dead or something. Jim Elliott, uh, in the journals of Jim Elliott, on January 16, 1951, listen to what he said. Just listen, we're almost done. I I walked out to the hill just now. And and if any of you don't know who Jim Elliott was, Jim Elliott and other missionaries decided to go where no one else would go. They decided to go where there are no roads. They landed in the water, and they were immediately killed by the savages that were there. Just a little bit of an understanding of Jim Elliott. But before he died and was slaughtered, this is what he said. He said, I walked out to the hill just now. It is exalting, delicious. I stand embraced by the shadows of a friendly tree with the wind tugging at your coattail and the heavens hailing your heart to gaze and glory and to give oneself again to God. What more could a man ask? Oh, the fullness, pleasure, sheer excitement of knowing God on earth. I care not if I never raise my voice again for him if I only if only I may love him please him mayhap in mercy he shall give me a host of children that I may lead through the vast star fields to explore the delicacies whose fingers ends set them to burning but if not if only I may see him smell his garments Smile into my lover's eyes. Ah, then, not stars nor children shall matter. Only God himself would matter to me. Do you have a relationship with God? If you do, you can make it better by seeking him. And if you don't, before you leave the building today, put your faith completely in Jesus Christ. Nothing on this earth will give you the pleasure that you're looking for. It is only Jesus that will satisfy the heart. So what is your heart pursuing? The time is up, but I just wanted to say to the dads, here's what works for me. The first thing is to come to Christ and receive him. That's the first thing. That's just the first step. That's the easy step. Admitting that you're a sinner and receiving Jesus as your Savior. And then following him in believers' baptism and joining the church and getting busy for God and being around God's people. That's wonderful. But let me, just, let me just say this. Outside of all of that, the only way that I can stay on track is by studying the word of God. Every single morning, I must read a devotion. Every single morning, I must consume the eternal through reading The Word of God. Oh, taste and see that He is good. The Bible says really clearly study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. Dr. Barnhouse was the pastor of the 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, and he said this If I had only three years to serve the Lord, I would spend two of them studying and preparing. Isn't that what Jesus did? 30 years of preparation for three years of ministry. Oh, the greatest thing you can learn to do on this earth is how to walk with God and how to have time in his word and to be able to read his word. And then also we're talking about his word, but I just want to tell you the next thing is I'm serving God. So if I'm seeking him, and I remember being in the Marines and desiring to lead people to Christ, and I took a whole truckload of guys and went to... Sheffy, it's one of the most boring movies for the unsaved, but it was a really good movie for us that are born again. I took a bunch of Marines to see that, and then a few of those Marines I was able to lead to Christ. One of them came back to Christ. But I'm telling you that there is a service for the Lord of bringing people to Christ that a dad needs to be involved in, and if you have the dads involved in it, the children will be also. The Bible says in romans twelve eleven not slothful in business, but fervent in spirit, serving the lord and we 're talking about serving others i've got to use this illustration it's just an old one. This is a large group of European pastors came to a conference that d L Moody held in the eighteen probably the eighteen seventies I would probably say. 1850s, 1870s, someone in that time. Following the, the custom of the time, each of the guests from all the different nations puts their shoes outside in the hall overnight. But of course, this was America, and there were no hall servants because what the hall servants would do in other nations is take the shoes of the dignitaries, of those that were in charge, and those that were gathering together, and they would take the shoes and polish them. Walking the dormitory halls that night, D.L. Moody was determined not to embarrass his brothers, but he saw the shoes. He mentioned the need to some ministerial students, but they silently walked away. Moody then returned to the dorm and gathered up all the shoes himself, and alone in his room that night, the world's only famous evangelist began to clean and polish the shoes of all those that were at the conference. Only the unexpected arrival of a friend in the midst of the work revealed the secret. And when the foreign visitors opened the doors the next morning, their shoes were shined the best that they could be. And they never knew who it was done by. Moody told no one But his friend told a few during the rest of the conference. Different men volunteered to sign the shoes every night in secret. And perhaps that began some movement because a man of God decided to serve other men of God. And that's where the key is to be able to prepare your heart. Dads, serve your children. Wouldn't it be interesting if the fathers made the lunch for the kids? And maybe you do. But it's interesting when I think of this because I come under conviction and say I have failed in the area of fatherhood at times. But I'm trying to encourage you and to help you. And probably the last thing, and in closing, I want to tell you that the best thing you can do is submit to God. Submitting to God. Submit to the Spirit of God. The Bible says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. He'll flee from you. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Let me just encourage you, Dad, in order to be able to be the kind of dad you need to be, is you need to be the kind of dad that is willing to be humble enough to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and save you. Show your children how to be saved then. Follow the Lord and Believer's Baptism. Get, ex- get excited about going to church and get busy serving the Lord. This Father's Day, it's like every other one for me. Get up in the morning, you get phone calls and texts, Happy Father's Day. You know what makes a father happy? To see the children in church doing what God wants them to do. Amen? That's what we need in our culture. Let's take Father's Day back, men. Let's have double the amount of men next year here so that we can encourage Madison, Wisconsin with the Lord. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Past time already. Maybe this morning you're here and you say, Pastor Howell, there's some changes I need to make spiritually. I want you to pray for me. I won't point you out. I won't be very long. But maybe this morning there'd be a dad would say, I'm saved. I know Jesus is my Savior, but there's some changes I need to make. Would you pray for me? Is there any dad that would be honest enough to say, pray for me? Anyone, just lift up your hand and put it back down again. Thank you. Nobody nobody looking around. Thank you for the hands. Yes. Yes, that's the first step, acknowledgement. Acknowledge. Now there needs to be some action. God will meet you there. If you need to come, this altar is open for you. But maybe you're here and you'd say, Pastor Howell, I've never been saved. I'd like to be saved. I want to ask Jesus Christ in my heart and I want to be a born-again Christian, then why don't you come? Come down the aisle. If you're a man, I'll show you. I'll give you to a man who will show you from the Scriptures how you can be saved. And if you're a woman, I'll have a lady show you how you can trust Jesus as your personal Savior. Let's have an invitation. Would you please stand with me and close your eyes? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We ask that your Holy Spirit would come in Jesus' name. Amen.